Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a Tech Moment on Cannabis Tech. I'm your host, Christina Etter. Today, I am super excited to announce that we are launching a brand new podcast, and once a month, we are going to talk to Pan Exchange to bring you some of the latest news regarding this emerging hemp industries market. Now, Pan Exchange truly understands the world of commodities, and since the launch of nationally legalized hemp, they have been keeping their finger on the pulse of this industry. Pan Exchange provides monthly reports on hemp commodity pricing as well as any news and legislation that is impacting these emerging markets. Please welcome to our show RJ Hopp, who is the Director of Hemp Markets at Pan Exchange. Thanks, Christina. Glad to be here with you this morning. Thanks for joining us, RJ. But hey, before we dive into this month's report, let's talk a little bit about the current markets that Pan Exchange covers and what Pan Exchange anticipates adding here in the future. Yeah, so right now in terms of prices, Pan Exchange covers biomass in five different locations throughout the United States. So specifically looking at Colorado, Kentucky, Oregon, and then in January, we actually added two regional prices, uh, first one being the Great Plains and the second one being Northeast. And then outside of biomass, we also covered refined products markets, so specifically looking at winterized crude oil, full spectrum distillate, broad spectrum distillate, and CBD isolate in Colorado. Now let's talk specifically about the spot pricing index and the regions that you provide pricing for. Is there a reason why you provide these regional indexes? Yeah, absolutely. And to before I go into kind of our reasoning behind it, I'd like to spend a couple seconds to go over what we're seeing in terms of each of those five benchmarks where you know, over the past few months, we have seen prices slip compared to where we saw about a year ago. But so those with those specific benchmarks, we have seen Colorado, Oregon, and Kentucky continue to trade in kind of the same range of each other. While the Great Plains has been seeing a bit of a discount compared to those three benchmarks, and some people are actually getting a little bit of a premium in the Northeast. And so specifically looking at that data, it's one of the reasons that, that we've developed the way that we go about creating indices for this industry, and so that we can highlight those individual you know, subsectors of the market and ultimately, you know, I believe that market fundamentals are not location agnostic, where certain regions and certain states will experience different bottlenecks, uh, you know, issues with transportation, supply, uh, rules and regulations, which ultimately fuels how those markets can trade in you know, different prices. And ultimately, this comes back to how some of the other commodity markets are priced, where you know, looking at corn, you have benchmarks throughout the producing areas, and then you also have the benchmark for the export market, which is uh, NOLA is what they call it. And that ultimately helps people price their products for not only if they're selling in their own producing region, but also gives people some insight in terms of if I were to export this product, what that price might be in different market dynamics there. Incredible. Now, are you solely just focused on CBD and the hemp or are there other cannabinoids that you want to or that you're considering adding? Yeah, absolutely. So I really see this project as something that is demand driven with the market. We will add and change things as this market continues to develop. 
So specifically looking at benchmarks that we're looking to add, uh, we want to go into having more locations for the refined products. Also starting to look at the differentiation between normal biomass as well as certified organic biomass. And as you mentioned, looking into some of the minor cannabinoids, I think that CBG is gonna be a big, big topic for the industry in 2020. And then the last thing that we're also looking at is more of the industrial side of the industry, specifically looking at uh, hemp seed, hemp fiber, and other products there. That's fantastic. I can't agree with you more. I really do believe that CBG has a big future in the cannabinoid market. And I think we're going to see that cannabinoid grow in some popularity over the next year. So that's going to be really interesting to see. Now, one of the things I was so surprised um, in reading this month's report was just how much news is out there on the legislation changes and things that are happening across the United States and all over the world, really. So do you want to kind of give us an overview of some of the things that you're seeing in legislation and some of the laws that are changing or at least being reconsidered? Yeah, I view legislation as a huge topic for this industry. And with hemp being an emerging industry, a lot of the groundwork is changing and developing as we continue on. So in this last report, we started to go into what's going on as more of a food and drug regulation standpoint. And I see a couple interesting stories that are developing. And specifically in the United States, the federal government introduced a bill where it was named the Federal Food, Drug and Cosmetic Act with respect to regulation of hemp-derived cannabidiol and hemp-derived cannabidiol-containing substances, otherwise known as uh, Bill 5587. And I really view this as a response by the government in terms of how long the industry has waited for regulations from the FDA in terms of where CBD can be added and how ultimately that will be policed in the market. And then beyond the, what's happening here in the United States, we're also seeing the same conversation happen in Europe with regard to the e-novel food applications. And essentially what's happening over there is that the EU regulatory body is trying to determine how they will also regulate CBD being introduced into various consumer products. And really what the novel food uh, application goes into is after 1997, they basically drew a line in the sand saying that anything that is new into, into, the, into the EU uh, has to go through this process to ensure that whatever is coming in is safe. And this really comes back to both new products that were traditionally consumed outside of the EU, but then also new production methods. Yeah, and at a high level, I really see this as the precursor to hemp becoming a global commodity and ultimately opening up the doors for both American producers to enter and export into different markets, but then also you know, reciprocate where you could have EU producers coming, coming into other areas of the world as well. Um, you know, ultimately, uh, the big thing that I'm looking at here is that every single country within the EU has the opportunity to accept the EU novel food designation. And this is something that I'm watching quite closely where you could have certain countries that decide to reject that designation and they can choose to go more of a route of treating it as a pharmaceutical ingredient 
while others have also been open saying that they're going to accept it, which, you know, once again, starts to open up that cross-border trade, which is pretty exciting. Most definitely. I, I know that the global industry is growing so quickly and the, the interest in, in cannabinoid infused food products and beverages is the, the demand there is clearly growing. So it is definitely going to be interesting to see how this kind of evolves. And, you know, even from that aspect, too, as other countries start to evolve, it's going to be interesting to see how the United States then follows those those leads or, or makes changes based on what other countries are doing as well. So that's super fascinating. Now, one other topic that was in this month's report that, that was really fascinating to me was regarding the crop insurance for hemp farmers and why this is so important to hemp farmers. And now I understand that there's also some nuances and a, a little gray area that kind of comes into crop insurance for many farmers. So do you want to touch base on what some of those concerns may be for hemp farmers today in the in the realm of crop insurance? Yeah, absolutely. So to start off, I really think that this is a great step forward for the industry. And it's a program that is has been used in multiple other agriculture commodities for quite a while at this point. And it's cool to see that hemp is really joining the rates of those other agriculture commodities, such as corn and soybeans. But one of those things that, you know, going to kind of the gray areas that you mentioned, hemp is not different from any other agriculture commodity where it can be directly impacted from, you know, instances of hail and storm. You know, looking back at last year, we had that huge hailstorm that wiped out quite a lot of acreage in Oregon. We had early frost in Colorado as well as hail. There was a huge snowstorm in Montana, which ultimately can affect the yield that these producers are receiving. But also having crop insurance allows those producers to hedge against that. So I really believe that hemp is a unique crop, especially when you compare it to some of these other traditional markets. And specifically looking at how these crop insurance programs have been developed, there's a couple of things that stick out to me. The first one being that if a producer's crop exceeds the 0.3% THC levels, that is not an insurable uh, reason to claim a loss on that product. The other thing too that sticks out to me is that these producers actually have to have contracts in place so that they know that they can move it at the end of the year. And specifically looking at how the market is unfolding right now, I see this as something that could ultimately preclude certain producers from being able to qualify for hemp insurance. And I think that, you know, going back to the high picture here, that this crop insurance program will develop over time, but specifically will benefit those that are involved with vertically integrated operations and have those existing contracts in place where they have those relationships and can use those contracts. Looking at the market right now, we are seeing a lot of tolling splits and we are seeing a lot of people that grew hemp and try to sell it into the spot market where you know, those types of producers might have a harder time finding a contract, especially with where prices are at right now and could be a little bit of a problem with certain, you know, certain producers being able to qualify for these programs. Now, finally, the last thing I want to do is just talk a little bit about the Pan Exchange Report and what can readers expect from this on a month-to-month basis and where can they go to sign up and subscribe if they want to get this, uh, get this valuable information delivered to their inbox? 
Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of subscriptions for the Pain Exchange Report, uh, you can go to www.painexchange.com and find more information there. And then also encourage people to reach out and they can send an email to us at hemp at painexchange.com. But looking at the reports as a whole, um, we always go into what is going on in the market in terms of the prices that people are seeing for these various products that we cover. Um, always we'll go through what is happening in terms of legislation, how that might impact the market. Continuing then on some of the more unique news that comes up on a month-over-month basis. And then a pretty interesting thing that we added recently is a recurring industrial hemp section where we'll pick one subsect of the market and go into detail on what exactly that entails. But ultimately, that is put in there to start the conversation. Um, Looking at the industrial hemp market, we all know that there's hundreds and hundreds of uses for this plant outside of the medicinal realm with the various cannabinoids. And you know, really excited to start shedding some light on that aspect of the industry as well. Absolutely. I do believe that hemp is really going to impact um, the United States from all aspects, like you said, from, from pharmaceuticals and CBDs and nutraceuticals to hempcrete and plastics and fuels and even batteries now. Is, it's really interesting to see the, the, the idea behind the hemp battery and, and things there. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see this market evolve. And I am thoroughly going to enjoy having this podcast each month with you to kind of keep track of what is changing and what's happening in that market and and see where those changes lie. So thank you very much, RJ, for your time today. And we look forward to doing this again next month. Absolutely, Christina. It's great to talk to you. I'm looking forward to next month. All right. Thanks, RJ.